This episode is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. When your personal care routine needs a refresh, Dr. Squatch is here to help. They have high-performing natural products with no harmful ingredients that'll have you looking and smelling your best. Like the Bay Rum Soap and Deodorant. It smells delightfully spicy. And right now, they have an amazing offer for new customers. Get 20% off your first purchase of any amount or a subscription order by going to drsquatch.com slash Spotify or use the code Spotify at checkout. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of What Most People Think. And did you hear that? Did you hear that when I said people, it didn't pop? Because after the last episode, I went and got myself a pop shield so I can pop and Peter Piper picked a pepper pickle pet. I know. I'm sorry it took me 52 episodes to actually get a 9.99 pop shield. But this is the joy of the Patreon, isn't it? I can fucking invest. I can invest in, in luxuries like uh, a pop shield. And I can also, I was going to say P word. Even when I say paedophile, I can say it without, without popping. That sounded really wrong. Uh, so this is what most people think. If you haven't listened to it before, this is the show that, uh, well, quite frankly, dares to come at things from the point of view of most ordinary people, or, or at least try and assess what the mo- view of most ordinary people would be. I'll give you an example. This week, a vanity train's... Uh, painted one of their trains in the colour of the, the the pride flag uh, because uh, they wanted to show that you know they're 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 on board with pride and 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 what most people think thinks that maybe trains don't need to be gay maybe trains are pansexual maybe trains are, are asexual maybe maybe trains are just for getting people fucking places but anyway welcome to the show it's been a packed week of woke bollocks this week isn't it so there's plenty to talk about i'll be talking about um the proms obviously um the decision not to have the lyrics to land of hope and glory and uh, Royal Britannia. I'll be talking a bit about the uh, gay train, and and also uh, a bit about COVID, the most recent COVID guidelines. But uh, before we say that, a shout out to patrons at the beginning of the show. It's a guaranteed shout out for any ten pound patrons. And Colin Bloom, a friend of mine, who uh, he's gone from five pounds to a tenner. So I don't know what it was I said in the last episode that he particularly approved of. But um, hopefully I can persuade more of you to do that. Um, we also have a cuss count in this show, which is we keep a running tab of all the swear words in the last episode. And let's see what we've got this week. It's from my good friend David Domain. Uh, we had two, one arse and two arseholes. Um, sorry, two arses and two arseholes. One arse and two arseholes. That would be a freak of nature, wouldn't it? You'd be in some sort of fucking travelling circus if they're still legal. They probably aren't legal, are they? One bastard, one clusterfuck. Three fucks, that's that's low, that is very low. 19 fuckings, that is absolutely standard. One motherfucker, uh, one piss, two shats. I like shat, I don't know about you. The past tense of shit. I wonder who the first person was to actually come up with, <laughs> with the past tense of shit. Someone was just sitting there, just went, I, I, I shitted earlier. I, I shit earlier, and then everyone going, that I don't know, man, that just doesn't sound right, sitting in our little village huts. Let's work out... The past tense of to shit, to to shite, to shot, no, to shat. Well done, Gavin. Let's go with that. Um, Twelve shits and one shittiest. I think you know that's uh, making its first appearance in the national lottery draw. Is uh, shittiest. So um, you know, if there are any kind of other creative words or anything you want to come back to me on the podcast at all, uh, then give me a shout on what most people think UK 
at gmail.com. And there was after me moaning about the fact there was no letters, there were a lot of letters. Um, and we'll be t- uh, taking those up later in the show. A quick thank you and a fuck you, which is something I also do as well. It's my little format point. I don't think anyone's going to nick that, do they? It's a bit basic. Thank you and a fuck you. Um, they, should, <laughs> they should do that, like uh, on a real family show, you know what I mean? Or just, just uh, on This Morning or something. Or the Loose Women. Oh, that would... Um, Certainly get people's attention. Uh, just a quick thank you and a fuck you. Uh, thank you is to women for being amazing. And a fuck you is to men for being shit. Round of applause. And uh, a thank you is to Rishi Sunak for eat out to help out. I think it's been one of the best policies, instinctive kind of improvised policies I can remember in my time. I know the government had done a lot wrong, but this was smart for a number of reasons. And I think one of the main ones is it gave people back their sea legs in terms of getting out of the house. Because a lot of people, let's be honest, with the lockdown, kind of became a bit fucking hermity, didn't they? Became a bit like uh, old Ben Kenobi there, <laughs> um, living in the sand dunes. But but it got people out, didn't it? It got people out. And it proved that, in a lot of ways, we love we love a bargain more than we fear a pandemic. So uh, I, I, I don't know about you, on the occasions I did go out, I went out with my missus actually for dinner this, this Monday, just gone, and we was like, you know, we, we come up with that argument that I think a lot of people would have done. We think, yeah, actually, when you buy the ingredients to make dinner, I'm not sure we could make it as cheap as we could have it out. So we went out. Yeah, no doubt, like, if you look at just the food, we would have done all right. But did we just have the food? Of course we fucking didn't. Three pints of Peroni, two large glasses of rosé. It's still coming at 65 quid. So uh, we're going <laughs> to eat out to help out. Or as I call it, save money so you can spend more on alcohol. And just a quick fuck you on the eat out to help out note is the bloke in my local subway, okay? I went there with my son because obviously I've been left with my son for the day. Am I going to make him lunch myself? No. I'm going to come up with this idea that it's cheaper for me to take him out and get somebody else to make him lunch. And I really bigged it up to him as well, like subway. I made out. It's a great thing about when they're for is you can pretend to them that things are like high level that aren't. I was like, mate, Subway is one of the finest restaurants you'll ever go to in your life. So he's really excited about it. So we went through the whole agonising process of picking what he wanted. And let me tell you, you know, the way that you order food in Subway, doing that with a four-year-old is pretty excruciating anyway. And then so I get to the thing and then the guy goes, all right, that'll be £9.10, please. And I was in the process of tapping with my contactless because I'm a modern guy. And we hang on, nine pound ten. He was like, and then he immediately did that thing that some people work in sort of retail services do. Was obviously sorry, I just burped there as I said that. <laughs> Should I leave that in any edit? Yeah, that was fucking disgusting. That was, but at least you had a pop shield, all right. At least you were protected by the fart. The burp, I do a burp shield and a fart shield as well. Um, but he he just pointed to this sign that said, "If you want to take advantage of eat out to help out, then tell us before." And there's this tiny sign that was attached. I thought, who who who's not going to want to take advantage of the eat out to help out? Like, what, mate? Why do you think you've got a queue at fucking half past eleven on a Wednesday, you dick? And he just. He was just too uptight about it already. What's probably happened, right? This is my reading of it. Is he had a lot of people that that uh, he's probably bound by his company to say that, right? Fair enough. You know, probably one of these corporations that have come around and gone. This is a way that we can kind of slyly uh, do all right out of this. Now he's had to enforce this. A lot of people haven't realised what he's probably had to do is do loads of kind of refunds and then go through again. And there's a queue. He's getting a bit stressful. Uh, none of which is my fucking problem. You're still duty bound for human decency. And I, luckily, I, I sort of had an RC reaction. The thing is, when you've, I mean, I'm not famous or anything, when you've done a bit of telly, like right-wing comedian kicks off in Subway, it, like if I'm going to have a headline, I want it to be for something sexier than... Not, not, not. 
to start this week's show, we're talking a bit about the, the policy developments, right? But the latest of which has been that um, secondary school kids in Scotland, it's going to be mandatory for them to wear face masks in uh, corridors and areas they can't socially distance, right? So as it's become sort of standard with this, is that, that Scotland and Nicola Sturgeon announces it first. Then it's like this weird game of um, chicken between Holyrood and Westminster, where Nicola's sort of gone, no, right, we, we bought that in Boris, what are you going to do? What are you going to do if you don't bring it in? And then we kiddies get sick. Um, and, then, uh, and then and then Westminster invariably goes, oh, we'll we, we do it too. And they, but they sort of, like I said, it's, it's discretionary and only... Uh, it, it, so it, it's mandatory in areas with reimposed lockdowns and indiscretionary elsewhere, which is kind of nice. Uh, there you go, head teachers. Hey, they, they see that little hot potato. Just um, put on some gloves and uh, throw it around like a fucking rugby ball. Um, first question is, you know, just regarding uh, Nicola... Is why is she still on the telly every day? I know I keep saying this, but it really does my head in that she's doing televised daily briefings long since they were really absolutely necessary. You know why she's uh, is it is is she pitching for some sort of daytime format? Like has she stopped giving a shit about independence and now just wants like a chat show? Good morning, everybody. Hello, it's Lesson with Nicola. And the news about COVID today is that as you'd expect, there's virtually fucking none of it. But here I am. Here I am, and I'm very good at talking. That's my main strength. When it comes to uh, policy and the actual logic of uh, independence, well, it's a bit, it's a, it's a bit thin on the ground. But uh, what I can do is throw a protective shroud around the nation. Zero COVID. Um, <clears throat> don't pick me up on the accent. I don't give a fuck if that accent was. I was was out. I don't give a fuck. Look, if fucking Liam Neeson could do one in Rob Roy, I, I can do that. But it's frustrating that the, the, the government don't seem to be able to dig in on things that they actually think are right and proper. Um, you know, we, let's bear, bear in mind that we don't have absolutely incontrovertible evidence for a lot of the decisions that we're making at the moment in terms of COVID guidelines. Clearly, a lot of them about, well, people just want to feel better. And I don't know about you, but I remember not so long ago when we were talking about, like, environmental issues, people, particularly people on the left, would always be saying, you know, Jeff, just just please trust the science. Trust, trust the scientists. As, as though, like, scientists were some fucking singularity of ideas that there was absolutely no dissent within science. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about climate change here. I'm talking about all strands of science. There are, there are debate. And the scientists would say this themselves, right? But no, it, it was sort of, it was sort of a, a ground, a, like a bad staging post in the culture war, wasn't it? If you, if you fully accepted everything from science, then that kind of made you rational and reasonable, probably a remainer. And, you know, if you're a Brexiteer, you might question such things. But now... Now science seems to be coming from a kind of like trust your feet, you know, trust, instead of trust the science, it's like trust your feelings. Like science has become like a, like a Jedi master. <laughs> you know, trust your feelings, Luke. You know it to be true. <laughs> Face masks don't really work, but they make people better they feel. Um, that was a very deep voice Yoda there. Um, he's going to sort of Barry White Yoda. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the idea that, that teenage boys will be sort of uh, compliant or, f- or fully observe the idea. You know, teenage boys, what will happen, right, is, is they'll be forced to have like a face mask on them. But just like with undoing their ties and their shirts, they'll kind of emerge from the classrooms with, with it off one ear. That'll be the thing. You've always got to look like you're cool as a teenage boy, like, like you're kind of, you're trying but not trying. And then the girls, the girls will sort of make selective decisions over whether or not to wear them based on whether or not it makes their eyes pop. 
That'll be the thing, won't it? Like there'll be, you'll see a lot more eye makeup. That's what you'll see. And people might say right now, but that is, um, that's very stereotypical, uh, Jeff. Well, you know, like you want to be like stereotypical about gender, go and be a teacher. If you want to see like how males and females behave en masse, and I'm not talking about the exceptions here. People always go, yeah, but that's not true of everyone. Yeah, well then we can never decide about anything about human nature ever. Like any sociological study, you know, has been based on sample sizes and based on all the time I've spent teaching is boys and girls are very, very fucking predictable. Do you know what I mean? What most people think. But look, this is one of the problems for me with the liberal left is that they seem unwilling to make difficult trade-offs, don't they? They sort of feel like risk is something that you can just... Well, you can just postpone it forever. Like, just not have any risk for now. And there's, there's something unbelievably selfish about that because then there's the risk going forward of what ignoring these difficult decisions now means for us in the future. You know, there is another thing. Sorry, it's a slight sidebar, and I know I did this a lot last week, but I'm trying to do it less this week. You got people, I tell you, if you're one of those people that was worried about the GDP figures, but are simultaneously refusing to go back and work at the office, then fuck you, all right? You don't really care about the economy because, like, all those tributary industries, all those cafes, restaurants, pubs, trains, everything in and around it, you don't really give a shit about that because what happened was you had a little bit of a touch, didn't you? A little global pandemic come around and, oh, look at that. You can get up a bit later. Do you know what I mean? You can make sound. You can pad around, work from home. You just thought, yeah, as much as uh, this clearly service-facing economy needs me to go to work, I'm just going to come up with any argument I can not to return to the office. No, I'm, I'm worried. I'm still worried about the COVID. I'm still worried about the COVID. And you can see that from my Instagram pictures when I went out and was hugging all my friends last week. I'm, but on Mondays to Fridays, I'm shit scared of the, the, the COVID. Actually, I had a little run-in um, on COVID-related stuff with uh, with some right-wingers this week. This is interesting. It, maybe, it sometimes makes you think I'm doing my job when I'm pissing off everybody. But I wrote this article for The Spectator. And the essential principle of the article was that, um, you know, this generation of kids could be quite interesting. They could be more durable simply because they've been through something quite traumatic. I use the word traumatic, right? This triggered certain right-wingers. And when the article came out, that was the word that they used in the tweet as well. And without reading it, quite a few of these guys are giving me the old, oh, traumatic. I don't know the meaning of the word traumatic. And I was like, all right, look, yeah, but they've been through more than me or you. No, no, no. I had a harder childhood than them. And you think, do you not think there's something slightly snowflakey about your need to believe that you had it tougher? No, I had it tougher. My childhood was the most difficult. I was thinking, yeah, I remember some difficult things in my in my childhood. I remember moments. I remember 9-11, not so much my childhood, but, you know, I remember Princess Diana dying. I remember recessions. I don't remember ever, like, being, like, legally obliged to stay in my house. I don't remember that. I, mean, I don't remember, like, spending three months without being able to see elderly relatives. I don't remember going past and seeing padlocks on a fucking playground. I'm not saying... This is my whole point, is that kids have had it easy up to this point. And, you know, the COVID crisis might make them realise that fucking microaggressions and pronouns aren't, in fact, the most important thing in the world, right? They've been through tough stuff and it'll be good for them because then when they get older, they'll be able to say, you know, well, for you risk, you don't know about risk during the COVID crisis. I had to get fucking swabbed. We were getting swabbed at the soft play area when it reopened. <laughs> yeah, I used to... I used to, we used to, when we used to have sexual encounters with each other, we were both wearing welder's masks. We had to finger each other with gloves. Sorry, sorry, that was too much. I realised I was reaching for something funny there, and that's what often happens. But look, 
I just, you know, I keep saying this and I want to be on record of saying this. Son, if you're listening to this in 40 years, when the images of us walking around in face masks that it turned out didn't help from a pandemic that turned out to be less bad than the 2017 to 18 pandemic. And when we saddled you all with even more debt than you had before, just remember that your old man was sitting here saying that, yeah, maybe the original bit of shielding and social distancing was right to fight a global pandemic. But what has become now is absolute bollocks and people need to stop hiding behind I think I'm just still angry at the guy from Subway to be honest Okay, just a quick hype here. It's always a quick hype. I always say that. It's never quick. Um, I have got I've got some gigs coming up um, on the south coast. These are club gigs. So any gigs I'm talking about now, it's nothing to do with the tour. These are club gigs. And what a club gig is is generally around twenty minutes. It probably won't be like the more political stuff. It'll be more kind of like you know. Um, I don't know what it'll be. It'll be, cl- it'll be club gigs. I've, I've explained that, haven't I? But yeah, the, the, the tour show will be like 70 to 80 minutes. These will be 20 minutes long. But so I've got some gigs coming up. Let me just read them out to you if you fancy it. Uh, I did Brighton last weekend. That was a lot of fun uh, on stage. And people always say to me, oh, Brighton, that's not really your crowd, is it, Jeff? Yeah, just remember, not everyone in Brighton is uh, a sort of falafel munching vegan. There's also towns around there like Worthing. And anyone who comes around here, you know what I mean when I say Worthing. Uh, I'm going to be in Portsmouth on the 11th of... Uh, um, September and I'm also going to be in South Coast I've just got gigs South Coast in my diary that's how well organised I am I'm doing one near St Neots in Eaton Soken on the 18th of September at uh, Jester Laugh that's an outdoor gig and then I'm going to be in Hassocks which is again back down near Brighton on the 25th of September um, and then yeah, hopefully by then we'll be getting back on with some sort of tour date on the 27th in Canterbury but I'm uh, still waiting for final confirmation on that so yeah basically if you just go Norcott fucking like you say well yeah don't have any links here if you go Norcott Portsmouth gig right google it Norcott St. Neas, Ian Soken. <laughs> this is the most untech savvy way of sharing stuff. I probably, if I really knew what I was doing, I'd be out of building the hyperlink. What, to an audio podcast, Jeff? Yes, to an audio podcast and hassocks. And then uh, we'll see how we go from there. Now, um, I, I sent a message to the existing patrons earlier this week. I'm really stepping this up, right? So this is this is what we're going to do going forward, which is a wanky word, but is uh, I'm going to be looking to do a patron only episode of the podcast every single month, guaranteed. That's a, in addition to do I sound like like crazy Al? Okay, I'll tell you what I give you. I will give you an additional podcast episode, Patreon only, no extra charge. And then I'm going to be doing the um, I'm going to be doing the TV thing, right? So I want to get that. I want to, I, you know, I want to get that record. Problem is, is oh by the way, you know that shitty laptop I was bitching about last week. Well, I've had to fire up Old Faithful, my old iMac from 2015. So I hope this sounds all right. Uh, but that laptop, I've never tell you, the most validating experience in my life was going in and going, I don't like this laptop. And you know when you go in somewhere and you're sort of steeled up for a fight and then you don't get one? It's a slightly strange experience. The guy was like, okay, yeah, we'll just give you a refund. Go, yeah, do you want to know why? And the guy was like, no, no, you're, you're within your 14 days. I was like, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, because the camera wasn't because the old camera. Yeah, it didn't load as quick. All right. And it, and it smelt. It smelt, and he was like, mate, you, I'm giving you the refund. I'm like, yeah, you better give me the refund. He's like, I'm giving you the refund. So what I've had to do is I had to get out of the old iMac here, and it's a big old thing. You forget, like, actually having desktop things. It's a big old thing, but I like it. I understand how this Mac works, all the other developments after that. So, Jeff, what point are you making? The point I'm making is, is that I really want to do this TV thing ASAP, but uh, I've got a very old iMac, and, and it, it just can't do certain stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's like... 
it's just like an old, you know, it's like a veteran cricketer, isn't it? Like he, it can't run for quick singles anymore. This thing, do you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not sure it could really tolerate sort of a two gigabyte video file. But the moment I get my laptop situation sorted out, uh, I'm going to get that. And, and as I said last week, it will be uh, the 10 minute version of the show. The longer version will be for Patreon only. There will be shorter versions that will go up on YouTube and Twitter. But if you want to see the whole thing, Patreon is the only place to see it. Okay, and I might throw in a little dick pic as well. All right, oh, you the proms. Of course, we've got to talk about the proms. I even mentioned that uh, in the intro. So this was the story that the BBC got the proms on. There was some sort of. This is where it's going to be very difficult for me. I've got to talk about classical music now. There was a conductor that sort of said, why don't we not have the lyrics from the proms this year? They're associated with slavery and blah, blah, blah. So then, then, uh, then there's the obvious backlash. This was initially published in the Times. And then people, you know, not unreasonably said, uh, why the fuck do you keep making these stupid gestures that mean nothing in the long run? This is the point about this story, right? One of the first thing is I sort of resent... The, the left for making me give a fuck about classical music, right? I sort of, I don't, I don't really care, but this is one of the uh, implications of the culture is you're forced to care about these things. So on balance, I don't think that um, that we should necessarily be removing uh, those lyrics, right? And and also, there were once people looked into it, it seemed that the historical context was that these re- lyrics were written a lot more recently than people thought. So they were written after slavery was abolished. So when they're saying Britain never, never will be slaves... It related to a different maritime situation. It wasn't like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't people trolling people who had been slaves, you know? <laughs> and it, there's, that'd be a weird thing. What's the, I mean, I just don't think that any songwriter in their right mind um, would do this. And, 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 and this is the point, isn't it? Between, I want to make the distinction between a gesture and an act, okay? Now, an act is something that materially makes things live people's lives better. There's a lot of people at the moment that are sympathetic and open to the idea of how do we make everyone's life better in Britain? You know, black, Asian, minorities, white working class, right? How do we make everyone's life better? But a gesture, this seems to me to be a gesture, and a gesture is largely for the person doing it, isn't it? It's, uh, you know, these are these are often fairly, you know, conceived of by fairly white middle-class people. And I'm, look, I can't, I, I don't know about this composer. I think if you're working as a composer, there's a strong chance that you're doing all right in life. Do you know what I mean? There's a fair bit of what they give you the left would call privilege coming your way. So it's a privileged position to be able to think about something like this in the first place. Yeah, I'd really like to do this. I'd really like to take out the lyrics. And of course, the net effect of this is, right? I didn't really hear any activists asking for this, but what happens is they then uh, get kind of like painted with this brush where it seems that, you know, they're made to seem frivolous. They have causes for their movement uh, and the, the things get lobbed in together and it seems to a lot of people one and the same it's not one and the same but that's how it seems and then the irony of these things is is it all represented an absolute half folly for boris johnson he did you know he did uh which as he should politically he made a stance and i believe that this is what he thinks is he said that you know we shouldn't have this cringing embarrassment about every single bit of our history and then all the lefties on are really annoyed by this speech because it did quite well right and i think well don't give him the half folly in the first place Come out immediately against this frivolous shit and say, you know what, this is not the aims of the liberal left. We've got far more important things than this. But the truth is a lot of them probably do. You know, when they hear stuff like that, because it it does signal virtue, they're more likely to be on side of it than not. So 
it gains traction, and then you get the situation where Boris Johnson is able to... The culture war is a gift to him, let me tell you that much, right? We, since we, this is the irony about like uh, people like Boris Johnson and, and President Trump, is that when there are moments like this with the proms, you know, or when, um, you know, protests, you know, when legitimate protests against police brutality end up in violence and ransacking and, and, and arson, do you think that they're unhappy about that? Do you, know, do you know what I mean? They're fucking, they're fucking delighted. Their their eyes are opening up. Like, do you know what I mean? They're they're like batsmen at the crease, and it's been a really torrid spell. You know, particularly with Johnson, he's had a really torrid few weeks. You know, he's been hit on the head, he's been hit on his man tits. Uh, he'd probably be all right. And it was that fattest Jeff. Yes, it was. Um, and, and then suddenly, all of a sudden, the medium pacer comes on, and then it's a long hop, and they go, "Hang on, right there." Do you know what I mean? They're winding up for the big one. And they, they spank it to the boundary, you know? And it's just daft because it seems that in a time of the diverseness of diversity is that, you know, we're sticking up for a lot of um, identities. You know, we're celebrating a lot of identities and and characteristics. But 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 we don't seem to be, be feel confident in, in sticking up for things that relate to this country, right? You know, you get a lot of people that will celebrate... National, a lot of people, particularly on the left, that will celebrate national days or religious celebrations from other countries, you know, falling over themselves to give it a bit of the old Eid Mubarak or uh, Happy St. Patrick's Day, you know what I mean, or or Happy Pride Week, which we'll come to with the fucking train in a minute. But just when there's one chance where they could just get, you know, it's just, they're saying, well, well what do you care if it's just a song? Well, no, well, what, what do you care if it's just a song? If, if like, not being on side with a pointless symbolic act actually allows your wing of politics to seem serious and caring about people more than sort of fly-by-night issues, then maybe, you know, maybe what most people think is the way that for the left to get credibility back in the eyes of the working class is to distance yourself from this kind of frivolous bullshit as soon as possible. So it all came thick and fast this week, didn't it? There was the train. I think I think the train provider was Avanti, who had this this train that came out in celebration of Pride Month. Now, as I think it's, it is a month now, isn't it? It's so much pride, um, and it was painted in the rainbow flag, and it was it was to celebrate LGBTQIA plus rights, and it also had education on it on uh, you know racial equality issues because obviously you know I don't know about you but when when I commute that is the main reason I'm, I've been sat on many journeys you know I mean I went from uh, London to Nottingham recently and and not a single piece of literature uh, telling me to educate myself and I thought well that well that was a fucking waste of time was it what a great opportunity to educate myself it'd been awful if I could have just sat on a train and gone somewhere and read my book or listened to a podcast right and uh, they they made a big you know hullabaloo about it. obviously they're very proud about it and then they said the one thing it doesn't have is a name now this is obviously quite smart marketing isn't it because they know that people like me can't fucking resist climbing aboard you know and i gave it i said well, why not call it the bandwagon which i think is a good name because you know you could then say all aboard the virtue signaling bandwagon from london to edinburgh and um <laughs> you know a few people had to go at what to call this thing but this is the point right it's yet more you know, why, the other thing is, how can they afford this? At the moment, these train operators haven't had any passengers for a while. I think that they're, they're down a few quid. And then someone's come up with the idea, why, why don't we do expensive refurb of one of our trains just to try and seem like great people? I think this is another one of these ideas um, 
I think it's another one of these weird ideas that no one had the balls to shoot down in a meeting because that's the environment we're living in now. This environment, what you got to understand is, and this is my theory, and it relates to other things I've said, but is that you've got a lot of white men that are about fifty, okay, and they're in they're in high paid, probably overpaid jobs, right? They've been there a while and they just don't want to be the next one in the next cull whenever it comes. So what happens now is when these kind of things are suggested, they're absolutely petrified of shooting down a shit idea. So someone sit there and go, you know, I just. I don't think we need to do enough for diversity. And then old fucking Gavin will be like, no, I, I totally agree. I was saying this recently. Well, I wasn't saying it that recently. I mean, I've was, I was been saying it since Black Lives Matter. And yeah, no, I think we should do more for diversity for, you know, LGBTQ. Yeah, I said that, didn't I? I, I I'm so, uh, what, do you, what do you want to do? And like, I think we should like paint a whole train in like the pride colours and just have like leaflets and literature on board. Yeah, yeah, do fucking do it. Absolutely. I, oh, God, I, I think that's so wonderful. It makes me feel good in my soul because uh, I'm very, I'm very pro game, game rights. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Crack on. Just, yeah, don't, don't worry about the cost. Just let me know when it's done. Because right? they, they're scared. They're scared. No one's just going to go, look, we, we, we run trains here. You know what, Nicola? That was, uh, that was a really nice idea in another context. But we're a train provider. Can we just make that clear? Everybody around the boardroom. Imagine if someone had the fucking plums just to, just to, if they had the stones to sit there and go, look, I, I'm absolutely on board with gay rights, um, but this is a fucking train company. So can we just carry on, you know, uh, just just running trains well? Is anybody want to do that this week? Listen, we're not going to be the fucking Ben and Jerry's of of train. What most people think. And we're always trying to educate us on these companies, you know, to educate yourself. A lot of websites are going on here. Here, if you want to educate yourself about, you know, I don't, okay? I want you to provide me your principal service, okay? You are not part of the educational. And then, you know, when I called it the bandwagon, there's a couple of people that uh, accused me then of, um, of uh, homophobia. And um, I, I, well, you know, if I if I'm if I'm homophobic, I am doing a terrible job of it because uh, both my son's godparents are two married gay men. There you go. I just lost a few, a few more people at street extreme end of the right wing. Yeah, I got a, a couple. You know, that's what I say, liberal liberals. Have you have you got gay godparents? Have you? Oh yeah, didn't think so. Didn't think, I think think I've out liberaled a lot of you right there, haven't I? I just yeah, I think you can be totally on side with gay rights, right? Uh, but you can also think that trains uh, don't need to be painted in a giant fucking uh, pride colours. I, I don't know. Is, is that really old-fashioned of me to, to think that? One, one thing I was going to say, though, and here, here is the flip side of this, is uh, I do want to ride that train. But only if they can guarantee me a certain kind of experience, right? And you think, oh, where's this going? Is um, I, want, I just want the people on it I want and particularly gay men sorry this is a, a preference that I have is very camp gay men I love camp gay men always have done okay I like stereotypical fucking 90 because a lot of people say oh I, I don't mind people being gay I just don't like it when they ram it down my throat I like it rammed down my throat I like it camp as fuck because it cheers me up it cheers me up at an incredibly camp person you know because being camp is about being upbeat and being funny and being bitchy you know what I mean these are these are funny, entertaining things. Am I going to get in trouble for this one? You know, sometimes you get in trouble for the stuff you don't think that you're going to get in trouble from. I'll tell you why I love Camp Gay Men. I remember I was uh, I was doing a journey. I'd done a gig in, like, Bristol. Then I'd done a gig in the Isle of Man. 
and I was coming back to do one in Monmouth, and it was proper planes, trains, and automobiles. Like I actually had to fly from the Isle of Man. Well, it's, it's an island, so it's not that surprising. Um, and then I arrived, and and I had to sit on this fucking coach that was sitting there to, to, from, to take us from one terminal to the other. We had to wait an hour. It was me and six depressed, grey-looking men sitting there. And then this gay guy come on, and he was so he was like, "Good morning, gentlemen. Mm, let's turn those frowns upside down." I was like, "Yeah, this is what I needed. Fuck the coffee. I want this guy. You know what I mean? I'm just gonna hire an incredibly camp gay man just to uh, just to keep me focused. Do you know what I mean? Just to take take me out of a funk whenever I'm feeling it. So um, look, I, th- I, th- I think this is a really simplest one. I think what most people think is, uh, on the whole, yeah, like who who. How many people these days are against the idea that people from the same sex can love each other? People might say, well, you know, it's also the L, the G and the B and the T, Jeff. But, uh, okay, but then make your point, well, you know, just leave me. <laughs> when I'm on a train, I just want to sit on a train, okay? Unless I'm being served by somebody that reminds me of Kenneth Williams. Okay, so after me whining, whining like a little bitch last week, we do, in fact, have letters this week. Okay, if you want to write a letter in, it's what most people think, UK, at gmail.com. Uh, so we've got a letter here from Andrew Maudsley. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, following on from your moan about not having any letters, please find one below, primarily to stop you bitching. Okay, mission accomplished. Uh, given where we are in regard of certain organisations trying to stifle British culture, culture, rule Britannia, etc., is there a particular programme, pastime, that you would uh, choose as a hill to die on? i tell you the one, weirdly for me, it would probably be food. I don't know why I find it so... It would be the English breakfast. I know that it's already called other things elsewhere but i can just you know we've had a few things over the last years where people gone you know actually sausages were made by the sumerians and the first culture to fry eggs was actually the fucking incas um (laughs) i just i just it would really annoy me if 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 that became not a thing because you know you would you'd it it could happen right and you know people just you know got colonial connotations and uh, you know just it was cultural appropriation that that was one whole plate of cultural appropriation and even though other countries would carry on calling it an irish breakfast and scottish breakfast as they do and they're perfectly entitled to do that but if they ever in this country i'll form a i'll form a fucking militia <laughs> we'll go in caps and then it will be like um it'll be like speakeasies won't it like the only places that are still calling me english breakfast are those weird cafes you get on the side of dual carriageways <laughs> dean's calf do you know what i mean will go in there you have to give the nod and the wink i oh, yeah, say god save the queen god save the queen now, i have one english breakfast please and then all the f- fellas will just <laughs> applaud uh drag, drag it underground what most people think. Okay, what's the? I'm going to try to do a few of these letters here. What have we got here? I, uh, so this is about something I spoke about my dad last week, and also a couple of blokes got in touch to say about you know issues that they're going through with in terms of grief in relation to their old men. And look, look thanks for reaching out. Um, and you know, if you want to, God, this is the problem. I just went to say something emotional, and then that left brain, right brain thing started happening. Going, uh, uh, what are you doing? Uh, but look, it, look, I'm glad they meant something to you, and um, yeah, I'll talk about it. Uh, again at some point um, I enjoyed hearing about what your dad and what he was like especially with his sayings um, my mum is a colourful character full of interesting odd and puzzling sayings right this is from Ian Giblet um, so he gives a couple of examples of the kind of things that his mum would say uh, there's no pockets in shrouds and which is I'm guessing does it say here whether she's not she was um, orphaned herself or something she or from up north 
good way I've equated those two things. Now, is she an orphan or is she from up north? But it does seem that his mum was an orphan similar to my mum, actually. I don't know if I mentioned that before. My mum was orphaned at the age of five. Uh, but his mum got them from her grandmother. So there's no pockets in shrouds. That has to be northern. There's no pockets in shrouds. Yeah, yeah. For That means for when someone's being tight. Since there's no pockets in burial shrouds, you can't take your money with you. I quite like that one. Yeah, there's no pockets in shrouds. I'll use that. If ever I'm writing like a like a 9pm ITV drama and I need some sort of wise northern yokel, that'll be what they say. Hey, oh, there's no pockets in shrouds. That's what I say. Everybody all around my dear said that. Would you like a piece of Eccles cake? Um, here's another one. From his hall to his pole. Uh, so that's to insult someone a lot. I was so angry with your father when he came home. I called everything from his hole to his pole. <laughs> from his hole to his pole. So I'm guessing that means arse to dick. Sorry if I'm taking a bit of the mystery out of this. That's actually not that far. Um, you know, it depends which way you want to do the journey. You know, God put them <laughs> close together for a reason. If you want to go the long way around, you could. Um, here's another one. Happy as a dog with two dicks. I think, yeah, that one, I've, I've heard that one. Uh, like a dog with two dicks. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the only, I don't want to deconstruct the phrase there, but, like, it would depend when they had two dicks. You know what I mean? If they had it from birth, I think they would... Well, if they'd had it from birth, they would just be like, well, I have two dicks. You know what I mean? And so they wouldn't really see it as a particular blessing. And if they suddenly had two dicks, it would freak them out. You know how thick dogs are. They'd probably try and bite one of them off. So, uh, <laughs> And then just one finally. You can lock up a thief, but you can't lock up a liar. Now, um... Ian here says that he doesn't understand that one, but I, th- I think I get that. Do you know what I mean? Like, like there's a certain kind of transgression, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's obvious. You know, if someone takes liberties in an obvious way, there's there's almost something more honest about that. But it's the kind I, th- I think what your mum's talking about there is those basically those uh, left wingers that say that they're feminists that aren't. Really, Jeff? Did did his mum say that? Yep, that's what I'm reading. Uh, we got an email from I don't have a name here. Oh, just from AR. Uh, he's saying that he liked the Marcus Brigstock episode. I uh, really enjoyed listening to your long-form podcast with Remainer David Badil as well. Uh, thank you for that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, he says regarding David Badil, it's very disappointing to see what he's done on Twitter, re the land of hope and glory tweet, and I would be interested in your response. So this is where David said, uh, yeah, he, he said that <laughs> he used a video of Nigel Farage singing... And then he he made a disparaging comment. He said, I think he said it's like it's a cunt anthem. And so you know, people might think like the pro. You, what you got to understand is I'm a comedian first. Do you know what I mean? Like so the idea that that someone should kind of uh, you know check themselves in terms of saying stuff. I I mean like there's a part of me I, I don't agree with his sentiment obviously, but I'm not I'm not I'm not upset by it. Right. And the problem is it goes back to the point I'm making earlier. It's about forcing me this whole thing forcing me to give a shit about classical music. If I'm honest. When I've watched the last night of the proms, being a working class person, I've never looked at it and thought, oh, there's something I identify strongly with. You know that thing where they go, you know, where they bob up and down. I actually feel sorry for posh people. I think if that's closest you get to enjoyment, you know what I mean? Like just all trussed up with your fucking cummerbund on and doing the same dance that your great, 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 great grandfather did, you know, just before the fucking Crimean, then... um, then, yeah, I, I've got no great love for it. So, so the truth is, I can absolutely see why um, people are, are uh, you know, upset about what the BBC have done. But I do, I do think it, it's a kind of confected argument. My main issue is, is that the key players should have just stepped away from it quicker because it was an obvious one. But, you know, as far as comedians... Look, the thing you've got to remember about Twitter, right, and, and I think I said this when I was on the podcast with David, is that 
is that sometimes you just you just fart things out into the ether. You know, if if I'd have thought of something really good, do you think I'd be putting on Twitter where I can't monetize it whatsoever? It'd be going in a fucking book or an article. You have to keep it in context that people just go, Bleh. You just imagine you're just in a conversation with someone, they say a whole bunch of stuff, right? So yeah, I don't disagree. I uh, sorry, I don't agree rather with David Badil on that thing, but equally as a comic, this is the point of free speech. I think you should be able to say it without everybody getting all upset. Okay, that is pretty much the end of the show. If you like it, maybe join up to the Patreon. Keep it uh, weekly and ad-free, and I can do I can do more. I can do more. I want to make what most people think into a global brand, all right? We're going to be off the grid together. We're going to go on this journey. <laughs> this journey. Uh, and on that note, you know, everyone at every level gets uh, uh, some shout-outs. £3 patrons, Tony Hill, Anne Stevens, and Callum Aiken. Now, I don't know about you, but Callum Aiken, to me, that sounds like that sounds like a right-back for Motherwell in the late 90s, doesn't it? Oh, and Callum Aiken. Or it'd be one of those ones where they just go, let's cross to Tannadice. Yes, Motherwell take the lead. The ball was played into the box, and it cannoned off Callum Aiken's forehead. It'd be one of those... Um, It'd be one of those uh, right-backs that just had a weirdly bad record with own goals, like the sort of Frank Sinclair, like the white Frank Sinclair of Scotland. Anyway, Callum, I'm sorry if that's disparaging, mate. I'm sure you're a brilliant... You might not even be Scottish, but you know the great... What I love about Scottish people is they they like to tell you where they come from with their name. Do you know what I mean? Bob McFucking Jockfish. They like being Scottish. I, I admire that. I think that, you know, like Eleanor, Evelyn, Morag... <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm just getting this wrong. Maybe there's like some some English names that I don't realise. Like Peter, maybe that's Peter. I'm probably getting someone now. Probably some liberal left again. Actually, yeah, Peter actually emanated from the Danish. Um, right. So uh, let's see what reviews we've got. So uh, for the podcast, if you give me a five star review, we'll read it out. And I only had one. Only had one this week. I had loads last week. Only one this week. Maybe last week's podcast wasn't that good, eh? Maybe it's because I kept popping. But I'm not going to pop anymore. This is from Sue. It says, it's easy to doubt your sanity these days, even if you are lucky as I am to have family and friends who have not completely lost their mind to virtue signalling and performative political posturing. Um, Jeff's podcast provides an island of sanity in a sea of internet wokery. Lots of laughs, great guests, and Jeff nailing the issues of the day from the point of view of the silent majority. Just hope we can see him live soon as his Dem- Leamington d- spa dates keep getting deferred thanks to the Rona. Yeah, I can't better wait to get back out on tour either because the club dates are fun, but you know what I mean? They're compared to the tour dates, they're like methadone. You know, you can get off your tits, but what you really want is the full on intravenous heroin. <laughs> what a terrible metaphor to end the show.